This morning we're going to read from Psalm 119. We're going to read, hey, let's just start, let's get right into the passage. We're going to read the first 16 verses of Psalm 119. It's entitled, Your Word is a Lamp to My Feet. And it reads, eh, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep eh, his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. I will learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, would your presence be upon us? Would you still our hearts? Would you take any distractions? And Lord, this morning, may we take something away, a fresh challenge, understanding a little more of you. Lord, you are awesome. We thank you that we can gather together in your presence. Amen. So this morning, we're going to focus on verses 9 to 16. And this morning for me is birthed a little bit out of frustration. And frustration at some of the things I see around about me, not here in Hamilton, but just around about us. Uh, in the church, and this has come to me this week, it's just been part of my personal study as I try to answer this question, how do I keep myself pure and holy? And it comes from this, I've been out and about a bit recently in different places and just different conferences and things, and I just see this, this idea of this person-centered theology, this idea that it's all about us and it's all about what we do. And it's us that are going to bring in the kingdom of God. And it's out there somewhere. And we just need to plug into something and pray the right prayer. And we're just going to go and get it. That it's us that build the church. That it's us that need to do God's work. That it's us. And it, it focuses on this kind of peripheral stuff. Important things, but not the heart of the gospel. It focuses on things that says that social justice should be the center of everything that we do. Yes, social justice is massively important, but it comes from our desire to know Christ. It comes from our being and knowing of Jesus Christ. And I think this morning, I just want to focus on this question. How do we keep ourselves? How do we keep ourselves from the ideas of the world? How do we keep ourselves focused on God? How do we keep ourselves focused on his ways? And avoid the downfalls of which there are so many round about us. And I think this passage offers us something. I'm glad that our young people are with us this morning. Because there is a massively important lesson that we're going to learn in this passage. My question this morning, how do we live like God wants us to? How do I keep myself pure and holy? I know we've been going through 
Psalm 119, our Bible studies, I don't need to give you the background, by far the longest chapter of the Bible, 22 sections, uh, going along with the Hebrew alphabet, acrostic poem, beautiful piece of work, utterly phenomenally written, amazing bit of work, and it sets out somebody that is so in love with God, it sets out somebody who so desires to know God, that they just want to be with him, somebody that's so dedicated to obeying the law, that it's become joy. It's interesting, of the 176 verses, only two do not mention God's word. So we're going to start from there in verse 9. How do we guard our hearts? How do we guard our hearts against the things of the world? How do we guard our hearts from the false teachings all around about us? How do we guard our hearts so that we are focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do we remain faithful to our God? How do we remain faithful to the scriptures? How do we let the truth of our God and the salvation that God has given us permeate throughout our lives? How do we make God the center of everything that we do? And how do we make God the absolute center? How do we put the scriptures into practice? I believe that we find the answers within these verses. The ESV, verse 9, reads, How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? I also quite like the Revised Standard Version, which reads, How can a young man keep his path pure? Indeed, by complying with your word. Spurgeon offers this question. He says this, How shall he become and remain practically holy? He is but a young man, full of hot passions, poor in knowledge and experience. How shall he get right and keep right There is no more important question for any man. Not just the young, but for any man, there is no more important question. There is a lesson in here for all of us. This has taught me so much this week as we look into this. But as we begin and as we make the word our rule, our standard, as we make it the lens in which we view absolutely everything through, we begin to understand something of what is being written here. In this passage, it uses an abundance of words to describe the word. The law, decrees, commandments, precepts, statutes, ordinances, the word, promise. Each one of these slightly different, but in all referring to the word of God. Referring to the word that God has given us. And the word to us that became flesh in Christ Jesus. So let's dive straight in. We'll head into verse 10. And we find our first answer. Verse 10 reads, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Question one, how do we guard our hearts? The answer is, I seek God. Do you know, I remember I was little. I was little once. Like three or four. And I was in Tesco in Walthamstow. I was born in East London. And I, it was, must have been three or four. And shopping trips were great. Because you just go and go to the aisle with a processed ham that was shaped like teddy bears. And you're like, this is the greatest thing. Mum, can I have it? No. You go to the next place. Mum, can I have it? No. And my shopping trips were always the same. I never really got the fun stuff that I wanted. But I guess that's good parenting for you. So one day we were just shopping. And you know, I toddled off to look at something. Infatuated with something that was on the shelf. And I'm standing there. I go, Mum, can I have this? Empty aisle. Empty aisle in front of me, turn the other way, no mum. And you hit that moment as a small child where you know nothing of what to do except panic. 
And the panic just comes over. And it just goes, do you know, aisles were really big to me back then. They're not really now. I can reach the top shelf quite easily. But back then, when I was little, it was really scary. It was really intimidating. And you just stand there and you feel the bottom lip start to go. And it's just, Mom! And that's what started. And lo and behold, 10 seconds later from the next aisle appears Mom. But in that moment, I was terrified. In that moment, everything I could do, all I wanted to do, all I could do, was seek my mum. Because I needed that comfort. No child at the age of three, four, five, however old I was, should go shopping by themselves. But how often, in light of that, just thinking of that story, how often do we wholeheartedly seek God like a lost child seeks their parent in a supermarket? How do we keep our way pure? Our question in verse 9, by seeking God wholeheartedly above all else. Do you know, I love this psalm. Probably written by King David, we're not told, so we'll just refer to them as the psalmist. Here is a person that is so desiring and so loving with God that they want to live in obedience to God. We have somebody here that is so driven to live their life that God wants them to live. And they begin by saying, do you know what? I know that your way is best. And as we all know, God's way is the best way because we know that in God, that is where we find life and that is where we find life in abundance. That in service to God is the greatest way we could possibly live our lives. But the psalmist recognizes that we need God's help in our obedience. Let me not wander from your commandments. Lord, I want to seek you, but I need your help in seeking you because I'm not very good at seeking you. Great honesty. Let's face it, how wholeheartedly do we seek our God? We don't, do we? Because there's so much stuff that mars us. There's so much sin. There's so many wrong things in our life that mar our view of God, that mar our seeking of our God. I love in, in the Bible study videos we've been going through uh, Matt Chandler refers back into verse 1 he says blameless are those whose way is blameless and he says this um, I'm out if being blameless before God means blessing then there isn't much blessing for me this idea that if seeking God wholeheartedly is part of our criteria of knowing and loving God then do you know what I'm out because I don't but Jesus but the grace of God that continues to pull us back in. This is my first challenge to us this morning. Do you? Do you seek God above all else? Between every challenge that you face, every trial that we are faced with, every temptation that comes our way, do you seek God above all else? Do you seek the God revealed to us in Christ Jesus? In the most glorious gospel, in the most glorious of all moments in the entirety of history. Is it so central to our existence that everything else falls away because it's so significant, because we so wholeheartedly want to desire our God? How do we keep ourselves? How do we keep ourselves from the ways of this world and in the ways of our God? Firstly, by seeking Him. Above all else, how do we seek our God? We spend time in his words. We spend time knowing our God in the ways that our God has revealed himself to us. And we spend time in prayer. I I love this quote from A.W. Pink. He says this, Real prayer is communion with God so that there will be common thoughts between his mind and ours. 
What is needed is for him to fill our hearts with his thoughts and then his desires will become our desires flowing back to him. Oh, that's good. But this idea that if we are so seeking God, so filled with God, that our prayers are just us giving back to God what is already God. He also says, prayer is not so much an act, but an attitude. An attitude of total dependency. Total dependency upon God. That's what it is to seek God, to depend entirely on God. When was the last time we brought our inadequacies before God? When was the last time we kneeled before the cross of Christ and said, you know what, I fall so far short of you. There is so much in my life that takes me away from you. God, take it all. Take it all and help me seek you. Because that, that is what this is asking us to do. We'll move into verse 11. The second thing, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Point two, store up the word. I love further down this psalm, verse 37. One of my favorite verses in here. It says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. Is that not all of our desire? Is that not our desire? That the Lord would shift our focus from the worthless. That he would shift our focus from the meaningless. And give us life and utter abundance in his ways. The beauty of these psalms is that we get insight into into the thought, into the mind, into the the beauty of the literacy that is written before us. But more than that, this intent is to teach us and to challenge us. The author is using their own example to challenge us. What this tells us is that if if the word is central to our lives, if the storing up of the word is central to our lives, then we are equipped We are equipped for the war against evil that we are in in this lifetime. Yes, Christ ultimately has defeated, but each of us face this. Do you commit yourself to storing up of the words? Do you know, in this age of everything being available, in the age of, I can't quite remember that Bible verse, I'm just going to Google it and find it and we get it, there takes away this need to remember because everything's at our fingertips and it's so fast. I can just Google, so why should I remember it? But this tells us to fight, to fight the good fight, we must store up the words. How do we keep ourselves from temptation? How do we keep ourselves? We store up the words. When we fall into temptation, not only to know the words, but to spend time in it to store it up is our call. Do you know, when Jesus is tempted by Satan in Matthew 4, we know this, but what is Jesus' response to Satan's promise? When uh, Satan says to him, all the kingdoms of the earth, all the glory that goes with it, every bit of it is yours. If you just bow down before me, worship me, everything's yours. What was Jesus' response? Jesus' response was Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Christ's response was scripture. Christ's response was what was engraved in his heart. And what was engraved in his heart was the word. It shows us something of the importance. Jesus rebuked the evil one with the word. What should be our response to evil? What should be our response to our sinfulness? A storing up of the word. A word that is engraved in our heart. The word that brings life. 
Do you know, everywhere we look at the minute, we see depressing reports about the church. We see attendances declining. We see memberships declining. I don't know how many Baptist events I've been to in the last year that that is the focus. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop this? And, and in response to this, there are lots of things. Do you know, there's lots of things about 10, 15, 20, 100 ways that you can uh, creatively engage your community and then all of a sudden, boom, your church will grow. Or this idea that brings some kind of American megachurch structure and all of a sudden, boom, your church will grow. Or this idea that you've got to tick these certain amount of boxes and will grow. That it's all about how you relate to the culture of this world depends on how your church will grow. But you know, it's all wrong. Yes, we have a personal responsibility. Yes, we have a personal responsibility. But the continuation of the church depends solely upon the sovereign will of our God alone. As Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 16, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will build my church. God will do the building, not us. Our call is to be faithful within that. Our call is to do our duty. Yes, we are to go. Yes, we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, the growth of the church, the continuation of the church, this idea that if we keep going at the rate we're growing, there's going to be no church left. No. The church will continue as the Lord sees fit. Thirdly, declare it. Verse 13. With the words of my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. The psalmist here is declaring that the word of God is not only deeply engraved on his heart, but it's his desire and it's his aim that others would come to understand what he understands. This desire to declare God comes from a relationship with God. In Matthew 4, again, as Jesus comes to Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God. Only him shall you serve. What do you expect the reaction of Satan to be? How do you react when someone rebukes you or tells you to go away? If it's a child rebuking his parents, it's never going to end well. If it's a pupil to a head teacher and tries to come back with some kind of comeback, what's going to happen? It's never going to end well. If it's a colleague that's rebuking their manager, no. If it's your boss that speaks to you, okay, you learn a lesson. If it's a parent that comes to a child, okay, you learn your lesson. If it's a head teacher to a pupil, you understand that you are under submission of them. If someone you respect tells you off, if somebody with greater authority rebukes you, what do you do? You back down. Because you understand. You accept it. We should reflect on it. We should learn from it. We should deal with it. So Jesus should be Satan and Satan left. Why? Because we understand the authority thing going on here. We understand that God has all authority. And there was nothing Satan could do. There was nothing he had left. Why? Because he couldn't win. He knew that that even in the weakest moment of our Christ, that this moment of temptation, he knew that even in that moment, he had all authority. He had all authority as the living God. And even in that weakest moment of his temptation, there was no temptation that he could not overcome. Do you know, only through the grace of our God are we able to put his word into action. 
Only through the Spirit and the anointing upon each and every believer are we able to declare the truth that Jesus Christ is King. To declare truth, we must know truth. That is why this all flows together. This passage works so well. We need to store up the Word so that we know the Word, so that we can declare the Word. If our hearts are set on the glorifying of Jesus Christ, then the words of our mouth will follow what comes. John Calvin says, what we learn in secret, we declare from the rooftops. What we know in our innermost being, what is most important to us, is what will flow from us. Let's use our mouth to encourage. Let's use our mouth to build people up. Let's use our mouth to sing praises to God and give him the glory that is rightfully his. Let's use our mouth to declare that Jesus Christ is king. We find our next point in verse 15. I will meditate. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. What does meditation in the word look like? Looks like spending time. For some, it might be taking small passages of scripture and reading through them. Reading through them continually, seeking to delve deeper into what is there. For some, it looks like study. For some, it looks like bringing in uh, commentaries written by godly people that are seeking to expound the scriptures and learning also from the word and the thoughts of other godly people that have gone before us. For some, it may just be reading entire chapters, understanding the narrative of the scriptures, understanding something of the whole story. Of just sitting and saying, Lord, as I come and as I open your word, Lord, would you speak to me? Maybe we need to be really intent with our distractions when we come to meditate. Do you know, I'm so bad for it. I'm so bad that now I really need to turn my phone off when I study because I can get a text from Victoria saying, did you take chicken out the freezer? And then that's me totally gone, totally distracted. And the answer is normally no. But I know that I need to turn that off and I need to get rid of that distraction when I spend time in the world because I'm so easily distracted. And it's mental that these things are even in competition. It's ridiculous that in any sort of sense, the world could be in any competition with the things that are going around about us. But in this culture and in this generation, distractions, fast things, quick things, things at our fingertips, this desire to always do and act now doesn't help. Verse 105, the most famous verse in this chapter, the great motto of Scripture Union, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto the path. And to my path. Imagine you're alone. You're alone in a forest. The middle of the night. Surrounded by darkness. There's those mad little noises going off around about you. It's a bit scary. No clue where you are. No idea how far away you are from safety. No concept of what direction you're going in. No idea where to run. If you run, you're just running for the sake of running. And you're just going to run into more darkness and probably hit a tree. All you want in that situation is light. All you want in that situation is light. Why? So that we can understand our surroundings. So that the light can comfort us. So that the light can show us where to go. And it's such a beautifully simple analogy. But it's the word in our lives. Do you know when we take the word as the foundation and we view our world through it rather than the other way around... 
That's when we begin to truly understand the darkness that is around us. If we do it the other way around and start with what we see and then try and implement the word of God into that, we end up coming to, can come to this view that, that God's passive, that God's not here. But when we understand God first and everything else follows that, then we understand. We understand how God is at work in this world we begin to understand sin we begin to understand suffering we understand our surroundings like in the middle of um, I was say the desert in the middle of the forest when it's dark you begin to understand what's around about you the word comforts us, comforts us like light in a dark forest in times of trial in times of temptation in the word we read of so many who endured the struggles who were faithful to God We read of a God who sustains his people through the hardest of all situations. We read of a God who is faithful and is just to all who believe. We find comfort in Christ who is revealed to us. The word guides us and it directs us. It guides us to the life that we should be living in Christ. It guides us to the right choices. It guides us to rest in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. This is what meditation does. Spending time in the Word, the Word becomes the light in the dark places. Meditation is like treating the Scriptures as a torch in a pitch black forest. Important. Very, very important and something that we need. And you know, through our meditation and our study of Scripture, we learn that there is this incredible coming together of our responsibility and God's sovereignty. We learn of this God that is in control of all things. Of a God that is absolutely 100% in control of everything. And it is our duty to respond to that. Second last thing, verse 16. I will not forget your words. The, the last line of verse 16. We'll come back to I delight in a minute. But I will not forget... 01786-469-743. I wouldn't try and call it because it's probably disconnected. But that was my family home number, my home phone number from goodness knows how many years ago. Useless bit of information, but it's something I won't forget. Why? Because it's important. A blonde roast, almond milk, flat white, Victoria Starbucks order. I don't get it wrong. I know what she likes. It's important, not massively important, but it's important if you get it wrong. There are many things that we remember. How many passages of scripture do we remember from when we were children? John 3.16, the Lord's Prayer, our verse in Psalm 19, Jeremiah 29.11. The list is endless. For some it will be greater than others. But there are so many things that we remember. The human memory is, is an uncomprehensibly incredible thing. Some things stick out to us. I will not forget your word, the psalmist declares. We're told... To meditate on the word, we're told to treasure up the words. We don't forget what we treasure up. We don't forget what we delight in. So if we treasure up the word, we will not forget it. We don't forget the words that God has spoken, the truth that God has spoken into each and every one of our lives on the day of salvation and from that day forward. How can we live in the truth if we've forgotten the truth? How can we live in the truth if we don't know the truth? We can't. We must know and remember and continually be remembering the truth. 
you know, I love this. I love the Puritan prayer book. In, in the prayer of Christ, the word, that just the first line reads this. My father in a world of created and unchangeable things, Christ and his word alone remain unshaken. Beautiful words. There is one thing that remains. There is one thing that stands as the cornerstone, as the foundation stone. There is one thing that is unchangeable in this ever-changing world. And that one thing is our God. just want to move into our final point that we find twice in verses 14 and verses 16 in all of your uh, ways in all of your testimonies i delight as much in all riches and the first line of verse 16 i will delight in your statutes in these verses it's the one thing that's mentioned twice i think it shows us something of its significance it shows us something of the importance of finding our delight in god of finding our delight in our obedience to God. Do you know, in our Tuesday Bible study with the boys, we had a question a couple of weeks ago. Do you enjoy being a Christian? I think the second question with that was, who do you know that enjoys being a Christian? I won't tell you their answers. But it's a bit of a strange question. It's not really a question that we ask. But do you enjoy your faith? Do you enjoy knowing Jesus Christ? Do you enjoy the joy that comes with knowing him? Do you delight in Christ? Do you know, it's funny, as I pondered that question, and I thought, do I enjoy being a Christian? The answer is yes. But in that moment, the things that I didn't enjoy, the times that I didn't delight, are the things that came to my mind quicker than the things that do delight. And that's not good. But do we delight in God's word? Do you know, just sit and read Psalm 119. As we've been doing our Bible studies, it's so good. Verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. Life, 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 repeatedly. Repeatedly this idea that there is life and only life found within the world. There is nowhere else to find true life but in our gods. Do you know, to delight in the world is a sign that our hearts are fixed on Jesus Christ. Back to that first question, how do we guard our hearts? By delighting in our God. By delighting in the fact that we are saved because of the work of Jesus Christ alone. Do you know, a a poor understanding, a bad theology, wrong beliefs, this self-centered religion, a self-centered faith that puts us at the center, a poor definition of love, normally form because we don't know who God is. This diminishing of God's sovereignty All this stuff leads us astray from God. And ultimately it's because we're not spending time in the ways in which God has revealed himself to us. We move away from his scriptures. We move away from the things that God is teaching us. We want to get our relationships with God right, don't we? We want our hearts to be right. How broken can we be when we just sit and ponder and think that, you know, I'll never make it. I'll never be perfect. I'll never reach this level of sinfulness, this level of sin, being sin free. It can be so hard when we understand the beauty of what God has done and the idea that that is where we want to be. Verse 50 again. This is my comfort and my affliction. That your promise gives me life. 
The psalmist found comfort in the promise of God's covenant to Israel. So we find our comfort in the promise that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ alone. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Let us delight in that. So to answer our question, how does a young man keep his way pure? How do all of us keep our way pure in this world? It's a question that is vitally important today as it was the day that it was written. How do we keep our ways faithful to God? How do we live in accordance with the will and the word of our Father? We must guard our hearts with the word. We must seek our God. We must store up the word of our God. We must declare the word of our God. We must not forget the word of our God. And we must doubly delight in the word of our God. We must delight in who our God is. Do you know, it's all about our hearts. Everything about Jesus was our hearts. If we fix our hearts and get our hearts right, everything else will flow from that. Everything else will be right from there. Where is your heart this morning? Is this your desire? Is your desire to seek God above all else? Is your desire to know God above all else? Can you sit and say that God is the cornerstone of everything that I am trying to be, of everything that I am doing in the way that I live my life? It's a hard question to answer, isn't it? It's a hard question to answer honestly. But find encouragement. Find encouragement for the fact that Jesus Christ paid the price so that we don't have to. It's all about our hearts. Everything Jesus Christ came for, everything he said, everything he did, everything he died for, was so that we might know him. It's just uncomprehensible. It's utterly, utterly crazy that our God would forfeit his rights, his privileges of heaven to come into this world as a servant so that we might know him. If we get our hearts right, everything else will flow from that. That's our challenge this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, as the psalmist asks, Lord, would you help us in our seeking of you? Because we alone can't, we don't. Lord, would you help us to seek your ways above all else? Would you help us to live in obedience, in accordance with the incredible work of our God? We thank you that you are a God that is so much more faithful than we could ever be. We thank you that we serve a God that has revealed so much of himself to us. Lord, this week, would you challenge us in our faithfulness to you? Would you challenge us in our faithfulness to the word, the way in which you have revealed yourself to us? Lord, would you come? Would you dwell amongst us? In those moments of temptation, Lord, would you send us to your word and away from this world? Would you send us to who you are over the things that we want to think, over the things we want to be right, over the things we want to believe? God, you are awesome. It is a privilege to gather together. It is a privilege to come before you. Lord, we exalt you. We worship you. Amen.